Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Chris Mooney. Now, Chris is the author of Blood World, which is most definitely crime fiction, but it also has elements of a thriller and a little bit of near future sci-fi elements as well, uh, which he and I are going to talk about. So strap in and uh, get ready for that. Uh, Before we uh, blast off, though, uh, I want to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it from the grittier and darker end of the spectrum. Uh, If you enjoy that, uh, I certainly do, uh, then uh, you can go to their website to learn more. That's downandoutbooks.com. Down and Out Books all spelled out, dot com, down and out books, take the journey with us. And now let's find out what the heck Blood World means uh, and talk uh, to Chris Mooney. Well, hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, I want to dive right into talking about your latest work because uh, you have a, it's called Blood World. Um, You have a, a fairly decent, number of books in your catalog uh but that are thrillers uh that's kind of your specialty but this while it may have some thriller elements to it and it may fall under the thriller category also has a little bit of what i'd call like near future sci-fi going on there uh do you think that's a fair statement i do think it's a fair say statement the only thing i would add is you know it's kind of it's a genre bending thriller which you know i can get into you're trying to take two genres and kind of merge them together and produce something that's, you know, maybe in my case is a thriller, but has a slight futuristic bent to it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's tell people who aren't familiar with the book already, what that premise is. Uh, We're, we're a few years in the future. I don't think you actually spent the year. Yeah. It's basically in the not too distant future. So say the next five years. What ends up happening is scientists discover that there are groups of people called carriers. And what that means is they have a gene or set of genes, they're not entirely sure what yet, that allows their blood to constantly replenish itself and operate at maximum efficiency. Because of that, they look younger, they don't age the same way we do, they're able to fight off disease, they sleep better, they kind of do everything better you know quasi superhumans almost yeah kind of uh what they've discovered is that if you give a transplant of this carrier blood to someone who is not a carrier and it's a full body trans and you mix certain drugs you basically get the same benefits that a carrier does but on steroids meaning tight skin great sex life unbelievable energy and this this sense of well-being um so as this is coming out what happens in los angeles and other parts of the world that carriers the younger the better because the younger the more potent the blood are being identified and snatched from their homes from schools from sidewalks and being imprisoned in these blood farms. And the story takes place with a modern day uh, LAPD coming to grips with this. Like, this is a new thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. We have to, how do we go about that? And then, you know, there's another character named Sebastian who is in Los Angeles, a blood baron for lack of a better term that has the most profitable blood farm. uh, And he has a product called Pandora and everyone 
everyone is after it, wants to get on it. And, you know, he has a waiting list, I think, of, uh, if I remember correctly, something like three to five years before you can get it. And nobody knows who he is. He's very, very well hidden. So these normies who take this uh, transfusion with the drugs and yep. the carrier blood, is that a permanent transformation for them or are they going to be chasing the dragon? They're going to be chasing the dragon. Ah. So the problem is, is that like with Sebastian, his product allows you these benefits probably anywhere from three to six months. Other blood products could kill you. Other blood products could damage you. And other blood products may give you a, a lift for a couple of weeks and that's it. And that's why his stuff is in such high demand because he's done his research and he's come up with his, his secret Coke recipe that everyone wants. And, you know, that's why he has people banging down his doors to get on his product. So he's essentially the uh, Pablo Escobar of the drug trade <laughs> or of the blood One, trade. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Now, your protagonist, though, is a, uh, a female officer, uh, Ellie, yep. right? Um, yep. And in the opening, she encounters some guys that are pretty concerned about the person that she's with. I don't know how much I want to give away here. Maybe you can fill it in. Yeah, I can do uh, Okay. Yeah, I know it's a, that's a tricky thing to summarize. But basically, nobody knows what these blood farms look like. Nobody knows who the who the main players are. Yeah, they have some ideas. Like in, in Los Angeles, there's uh, an Armenian gang that knows that they can be very, very profitable with this product. And they're looking to get Sebastian's product, but they don't know who he is. But when the story opens, you know, uh, just a very routine domestic, Paul of returning a dog, and that's all I'll say, turns into something really, really bizarre and really, really deadly. And it's kind of the, it's Ellie's way of, she stumbles upon something that she knows she can use to her benefit because she's obsessed with the blood world and who's who. And she knows this is going to be the big frontier in, in law enforcement. And she wants to be in on the beginning of it. Well, I, I can say, I, I don't know if, if uh, I didn't mention this when we were talking before the show, but I am retired from uh, law enforcement and tw I did 20 years up in Spokane, Washington and something as yeah. simple as, uh, uh, and rather benign in comparison, but when uh, f fraud uh, started to become the way that most, uh, my cat's being an asshole. Let me get, get him to shut up. He'll come back around. <laughs> this is why I record and don't do it live. Hey. I was going to say, please keep that in the, the final yeah. cut. Be quiet. He's upset because, <laughs> so my wife's a teacher and yeah. she's teaching from home now. She's having to go through some uh, training and some get some stuff ready and everything. So she's grabbed her chair from the office here and has taken it out to the kitchen table and is working out there. Well, Mr. Cat pasta is his yeah. name. that's his chair he thinks he comes in here into the study where i'm working meows a bit gets a scratch hops up into her chair which is his chair and right. is quiet well now he can't hop up into the chair so quiet time is yep. obviously not going to happen for him <laughs> yeah they're very particular about i want what i want when i want it yeah, I wish I could show. I, I didn't turn my camera on, but basically he's on top of her desk now looking where her chair is supposed to be. Like, what the fuck? What is going on in this house? This is anarchy. Well, uh. While you were doing that, <laughs> I thought was following me around. And 
he was asleep and i'm like oh i have food so now she's oh he's got food and oh he's, my god then and i right before we got on i'm like trying to divert her my wife's working downstairs so throwing treats to throw her off the scent and i ran back up uh, so i feel well, i feel your pain well uh you know we're a lo-fi show here so i guess we'll just forge ahead and if 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 cats want to inter- intervene, it'll be, uh, uh, add some character. Uh, so I, I was a, a cop for 20 years. Um, and in the course of a 20 year career, you see trends rise and fall. And, and, uh, one that happened while I was working was, uh, just the rise of fraud being the means by which, uh, drug addicts were fueling their habit, you know, rather than burglary and pawning an item, they were, you know, getting somebody's identity and, you know, getting a credit yeah. card and doing all that. And, you know, law enforcement wasn't prepared to deal with that in a concerted, organized fashion. It was just initially very ad hoc. And then eventually we're like, whoa, you know, this is an epidemic. This is a crisis. We need to form a fraud unit. And so the fraud unit was formed. Uh, I say that because I think that the premise that you've created where there's this, the blood situation isn't just a stand in for drugs. It's a different sort of of thing going on because they have to farm the the product they're not growing it in the ground or cooking it right. in the lab and so it creates a different dynamic so i think it's entirely realistic uh and actually really good on you that you chose to have the lapd respond by forming uh basically a blood investigation unit i've talked to a lot of cops over the years and in you know i know it's the, depicted in tv shows and in books and all that but they're constantly under stress to, you know, there's, there's no pause in the job. There's always something going on and there's always cutbacks and limited resources. I mean, you know, all this stuff way better than I do. And I kind of like the idea of showing realistically that, well, the, you got people being snatched up all over the place, especially, you know, younger adults. Uh, how, how would a, a big organization like that deal with it in the midst of, you know, there's always budget cuts. There's always economical issues. There's always lack of staff. You know how how can how can they address this thing that's really exploding all of a sudden? And the answer is they really can't. They're trying to play catch up. At least that's my opinion of it. Well, yeah, you really have uh, something unique here because I mean you have kidnappings that are occurring, and those are usually that's a very specialized unit that deals with kidnappings, and sometimes the FBI will assist depending on the on the nature of the kidnapping. You've got the angle of it that's very similar to just drug enforcement and drug you know crimes now. Uh, and then you also have some you know protection detail issues, some asset right. protection, uh, which you know secret service type of stuff. But that's three very different functions that are all required to come to bear on this problem that you've created. I mean, you're, you're kind of devious in this problem that you've created. <laughs> Why, thank you. Um, yeah, and, you know, the other part of it, too, is if you're wealthy in the mm-hmm. in this, you know, slightly futuristic place where, you know, in Los Angeles where this all takes place, if you can afford security, you have mm-hmm. security. So imagine you have, say, a 15 or 16-year-old who goes to a school and he's a carrier, maybe some people know that, maybe some people don't, you're going to put security detail on him. So it's, and now when the story opens up, now there's this special schools 
where carriers can go, are starting to go, and it's behind. It looks like a prison, you know, that have armed guards and set and the other thing. The protection angle of it is reminiscent to me of the the situation in Mexico with with the kidnapping, yeah, and the man on fire sort of thing, the Denzel Washington ver, uh, version. Um, great movie, yeah, great movie. Um, and and sort of the same kind of thing. The wealthy can hire, you know, a bodyguard there. So this book just came out in August, right? Yes, it just came out. And it's getting a really good response. Uh, in fact, you mentioned uh, before we started the interview that there's been a, a, some talk of a possible TV deal. Yeah, there's uh, there's a company called Alloy Entertainment. They're a division of Warner Brothers, and they've been kind of running with the ball on, on the TV side of things. So that's been exciting to watch, and they have a great track record with TV shows like you, and I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that because it, the, the subject matter definitely lends itself toward more of a TV format where you can explore other angles and you have the time to really get, to get into things. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. There's nothing to report yet, but things are seem to be happening. So that's great. And, and I know that this probably won't be your decision necessarily, but uh, if it were, what format would you prefer? Definitely episodic. Definitely, you know, I don't know, an eight to to 10 or 10 to 12 episode thing where you can really, like I said, you know, really dig in and, and kind of see this world and what it looks like and introduce the, the viewers to all the cast of characters and how devious they are, which, you know, and that was a lot of fun writing, which I know is a, is if you're not a writer and you're just listening to this goes, that sounds rather psychotic but it's that's the great thing about being a writer is you, you know you can explore these different personalities and what makes people tick mm-hmm. yeah for sure it would seem to me that you've created a, a framework that there could be seasons beyond the natural ending of of this book there, that there's enough absolutely. of a world building there yeah absolutely you know the cat's out of the bag so the blood world is not going to go away it's just going to keep expanding do you know what your involvement might be on a, on a TV deal, or is that all remain to be seen? That all remains to be seen. I mean, it's such a long process. Well, the book is Blood World. It is available now. It's been out since August, uh, getting some, some great reviews. What's up next for you? What a loaded question. Um, I'm doing a nonfiction book coming out with James Patterson in, I think it's February, and it's about it's called combat a walk in my combat boots it's, uh, these true stories of sh- soldiers you know what it's really like on the front lines and what it's like when they come home and the things they've had to deal with overseas and back home and now the next thing that i'm doing is the start of hopefully a new series where i have this guy who is the fbi's top profiler and now he becomes the fbi's most wanted man so I'm really excited about digging into that and trying to develop that into a series. Busy, busy guy. Too busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to tell you thanks for taking some of your time out to be on the show today, and uh, I'll see you further on up the road. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love this. Thank you. Well, there it is, folks. A, a good picture of Chris Mooney and his uh, book, Blood World, which uh, I think sounds fascinating and uh, it would make a great Netflix series. Uh, we'll see if it gets picked up. I'll certainly be paying attention to that. Uh, next episode, uh, we are going to talk to Stephanie Kane, whose book, Quiet Time, uh, is a fictionalized version of some true events that she had some involvement in. 
that'll be on the next episode of Wrong Place Right Crime. Uh, I want to say thanks to Chris for coming on the show uh, and to Down Out Books for being a great sponsor. And as always, to you, the listener, thanks for tuning in. Stephanie Kane on our next episode. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes, baby, you got to be in the wrong place if you want to write crime. Mm-hmm.